Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola. I'm here with Leif Johnson. Howdy. And Michael Simon. How you doing? On today's show, we'll talk about iOS, iOS 13 rumors, Disney Plus, and a lot more. It's been a busy news week for Apple. What companies should Apple buy? We'll talk about that in our feature discussion. Plus, Life has a two-minute tip. And we'll wrap up the show with your hot takes from the Macworld Twitter and Facebook feeds. So our first topic in the news, Apple and Qualcomm were suing each other. Shocking development. <laughs> and surprisingly, they came out yesterday and said, hey, it's all settled. It was like the first day of the jury trial. It was like an hour yeah. later. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was legit like the first time I was surprised by news from Apple in like 10 years. <laughs> yeah. I was expecting that to get super nasty. Yeah. yeah. And last for like two more years at least. I mean, it was crazy. Right. How it just, they had opening arguments yesterday morning, and in the afternoon they settled. So what was the lawsuit about, Michael? Can, just to give people background in case they don't, they're not following. Yeah, I mean, there were several kind of arms of the, the, the various lawsuits, but um, the one that they, were, that they were fighting in court, Apple was arguing that Qualcomm was double dipping on their uh, selling of chips. Right. Basically, what, what, they, what Qualcomm does is says, you can't have one of our chips unless you have one of our licenses. No chips, no license, or no license, no chip. So, uh, you know, Apple's saying, well, they're charging us twice. And Qualcomm was saying, yeah, but that's just the way we do business. And we never really got to a point where anybody decided whether that was fair or not. <laughs> and then Qualcomm was suing Apple based on what a uh, patent infringement is, is that yeah right? there was there yeah. was yeah that was various patent things and yeah. a couple of those actually forced Apple to change little things in the way the iPhone software works and there was a pending ban of iPhones that I guess is now dismissed because the settlement is all litigation worldwide like everything is just scuttled yeah so based on the settlement it seems like Qualcomm made out like bandits on this one I mean, in the sense that they don't have to change any of their business practices, nothing really came to light that they were doing, and Apple's giving them a bunch of money. Absolutely. I think Apple simply said, uh, you know, look, okay, Intel is not doing quite what we want them to do. Uh, we need you. You kind of need us. Uh, let's just get this over with. <laughs> well, b based on the timing of the announcement, it's almost like Intel called up Apple yesterday and said, oh, by the way, we're not making a 5G modem anymore, so you guys are on your own. Yeah. And then Apple was like, oh, crap, we got we to gotta settle this thing because we, now we need Qualcomm big time. Right, yeah, just for people who haven't been following this, right around the same time or just about – a little bit a after hour, the Qualcomm later, yeah. Apple thing was announced, Intel came out with a press release saying, we're not doing 5G modems anymore on the consumer level. I mean, to be fair, so, Intel wasn't really doing 5G modems right. on the consumer level. Anyway, they, they, they had a plan and they had a roadmap, but there was all sorts of reports that the first generation of it wasn't up to snuff. They, were, they had scrapped those plans. They were making a second generation. It wouldn't be out till next year. And it was clear that there were serious issues with them creating a 5G modem that was viable for yeah. a smartphone. Yeah. The chicken and egg question comes yeah. up. Did Apple settle because Intel gave them a tip saying, hey, we're about, we're going to, this is what we're doing? Or did Intel fold because of what Apple and Qualcomm agreed to? So which came first? We, we'll probably never know. But... Yeah, we're, we'll, we'll never know definitively, but. I mean, the fact that they started the trial, went through opening arguments, and then settled makes it seem like either Intel surprised them and they had a scramble, or there was an offer on the table all along, and Qualcomm said, okay, now we have an opportunity to secure Apple as a, as a customer, which is a pretty damn big customer. And they just came to the marketing table and said, all right, we'll, let's, let's get this done. What does this mean in terms of a 5G iPhone? Well, it so. means we're going to get one. That's for right. sure. <laughs> it means we're going to get one. That, that was always kind of in doubt with Intel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, Qualcomm has a modem already that's that's not quite shipping, but almost in a couple of Android phones, the X50, which isn't so great. It's a uh, uh, two hundred two point four gig speeds, which you know is way better than we have now. Those that's all theoretical, and there's no network anyway, so it doesn't matter. But the second generation goes up to seven gigabits per second, and that's the one. Uh, uh, 
comes out next year and if the iPhone does get it in 2020, which all indications point to yes, that's the one that they would probably use. Yeah, so definitely next year, not really possible this year. Yeah, you it's figure very, the, it's, You figure the even, new iPhone's done, right? Or close even, to Even done. if it isn't, to be honest, um, most of the, for example, this morning, LG announced that the V50, VinQ, Mm-hmm. which was the first their first 5G phone is delayed indefinitely. Right. And the reason why is because first of all there's there's no there's no viable network for them to use it so it's not it's it's no worth it. and there's issues with heat there's issues with um battery life there's a ton of problems with these modems right now that need to be ironed out. So Apple would be crazy to jump on board. There's no reason to. It's there, there's no benefit for us right now. I mean the network's not really in place it's not so. and that, it's not at all in place i mean there's just, it's just not there Ver- verizon showed off like this like two block radius in a couple of cities i mean yeah. and even then people said when they were walking it constantly dropped i mean it's I, I, and i'm not criticizing anyone for it it's just it's it's still in development you know and apple's probably kind of anxious to do this phone because of it, it'll probably provide a boost of iphone sales uh, for sure yeah and yeah, especially with sure. everybody going "Ooh, look at our cool new feature we have 5g I mean, we have, let's yeah, not I mean. forget uh lte they were they were one of the last people to or less people less phones less companies to uh-huh. climb on board that was when verizon uh, they were still at&t exclusive and that was all 3g 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 and then verizon came on and everyone else opened up and that's when they got to 4g but we were already on the iphone 4 by that time yeah there's only so long that, in my opinion, that you can put, keep putting this stuff off. I mean, you know, it's it's nice to think that Apple will do a great job of something, do better, and but it comes a point, and I think Apple realized that they they need to get on this this wagon for they. I I do think a lot of this stuff is just kind of like selling points we're seeing from other devices, but the the fact is it is exciting people, so they need to get on that excitement again, and five yeah, G be and, one way to do that. As far as like Samsung and LG, yeah, it's absolutely just to say we were first. Mm-hmm. Apple isn't interested in that. They'll do it when it provides a tangible benefit to the people who buy it, and that's not till at least next year. But that being said, Qualcomm makes better, makes fantastic modems. So this is a good thing for people. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was going to say, so things just got a little more exciting on the iPhone front. When the new iPhone comes out, uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, iOS 13 will be ready by then probably and there have been rumors about the new features in the uh, next version of ios so one of the new features that nine to five mac published a report about was the possibility that ios 13 will have dark mode shocking <laughs> so it's funny because dark mode's been kind of touted as this cool new feature and when you think about it it's, it's a color palette yeah yeah I mean, there, there's <laughs> you know what some, i mean but it's really with, popular with, right now yeah. with oled there's you know minor battery improvements right, because right. but it's not anything that you're not going to get two extra hours of battery like maybe 10 20 30 minutes i have to admit though on oled i have the uh you know the new twitter where it's just inky black in the background. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so nice. Yeah, it's 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 really gorgeous. I've I've been using the Samsung's uh, One UI. It's uh-huh. like a true dark mode where it's across all of their apps in the system, and it's just fantastic. Yeah, I'm a believer. I want yeah, I really dark nice. mode on iOS. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so. I do too. And it also it just speaks to the fact that they're on the cusp of what people want you yes. know, we're not going to get it you know it, it would have been nice if we had it two years ago but with all the screens right now with ios 13 i'm that's that's a fine time to introduce it i'm all over that dark mode on ios as much yeah. as i was kind of i wasn't really making fun of it but i was kind of saying how <laughs> people kind of like talk about it how it's like a serious feature but if you yeah. think about it I mean, I don't want to say it's difficult to imp- or e- easy to implement. It's just you know, it's it's a visual, cosmetic thing. Yeah, it is visual, so. but it is it's it's also tricky. Google hasn't been able to. They've been testing dark mode for like four generations. <laughs> it's it's really tricky to get it right. Right, uh, it that's is true. That's true. Yes. Like I mail, you know, I, I you might remember I was kind of like meh about the uh, you know dark mode on um, macOS, but that's basically what I keep it on now. It doesn't look too hot in mail. I remember that was one of my complaints when it first came around. It's still kind of weirds me out in the mail app but uh everything else i love it with but it that the mail mail reminds me that it is really hard to get right 
a lot of the major features in iOS 13 is in relation to the iPad. Yay. So, uh, most notably, they'll be adding the ability to have multiple windows for apps. Leif, I'm sure you think, as someone who's a iPad user, mm-hmm. that would be very handy. Anything that enhances the productivity of it. You know, I know they want this to be some laptop replacement. And th- that would help. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely help. Cause, sure. Yeah, it's really frustrating when you can't, you can only use one window for something, especially with split screen. It's kind of funny how, you know, Apple released the iPad and iOS with this sort of like this UI intention in mind. You know, we're, we're used to using Macs and other computers, so there's there's certain conventions that we wish were implemented. But mm-hmm. Apple has sort of went on this flyer and said, "You're going to use it this way, and it's a new way of using things." So many of us want the old ways of doing things in the new I- implementation. I don't know if I, I just made sense there. But. I'm really I'm really open to trying new things, and I think at almost 40 years old, I, I've I've managed <laughs> to I've managed to do that, but. For productivity and stuff like that, a MacBook is yes. still better for writing, for research and stuff. It, you can do these things on an iPad. I'm not saying you're not. I did yeah. fine with it every day for a year, but it's just faster. And when you're like you're in journalism, we have to crank stuff out really quickly. It's a MacBook is faster. Yeah. Right. I guess that was my point. My point is that <laughs> it's the evolution of the device and how we used it. Yeah. Because when it first came out, we thought may- maybe Apple thought not necessarily it was single purpose, but you know, you'll focus on these, you know, single functions. It was, it was an in-between device. If you remember, Steve yeah. Jobs had that slide. It was between the iPhone and the MacBook. And right. it's right. bigger, bigger and, and easier to see than the iPhone, but right. not as powerful as the MacBook. And that has changed over the past, what's it been, eight years? Yes. Yeah, it's, seven. Yes. Now it's powerful. Yeah, that was but, the point um, I was trying to get to, so... Uh, there's going to be a better font management. I haven't really, I really haven't really thought that out a little bit. Right, cause I, I haven't, because I haven't, I don't use a lot of different fonts on my iPad, but I don't use it that way. So, like I said, you know, there's people are using it for more productivity type stuff. So obviously, this is something that users have been wanting. Well, see, it's funny. Both Mike and I write our drafts in iWriter, which its whole point is that you can't really change the font. They give you three yeah, options. Yeah, there's but, only yeah. a couple of them. I mean, I, I mean, it, that's not an issue that would affect most people, but it just yeah. speaks to Apple really looking at the iPad and saying, All right, how, what, what can we bring to this device that makes it more viable as a productivity tool? Yeah. And maybe the most controversial change will be the changing of the undo function. Which this one doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense to me yeah. because the iPad has a perfectly fine undo function. I've never felt like it was a problem. Yeah. Like I don't go around shaking my iPad to undo stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like bring it. I'd rather have it on the iPhone because going like this whenever I want to. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not on video, but when I shake my hand because I want to undo something, that's silly. Yeah, I don't know what I. You know, there's some i UI stickler people out there who i guess they complain about that i don't I, like you know like you guys i i never thought it was a big deal yeah, no. it's a button so. it's a perfectly legible button and you hit it you undo you hit it the other way you redo it's not hard i, I do know. find that sometimes what happens to me a lot is that i'll be in mail and then i guess i'll like fumble my phone or something like that and the iphone recognizes that as an undo yes yes gesture yes. And based on the so. uh, uh report that it, it the new functionality is strictly for the iPad based on what yeah. a nine to five Mac says. So yeah, some changes to iOS 13. I, I two, two things I want to see is one, a new home screen. I, if, if, if we're going to get all this functionality to the iPad, mm-hmm. um, I want those icons gone. Like just give me, give they me a don't bother or me a folder or something. Easy. And I, I, I guess I get what people are. I mean, I like to make them smaller. That's about my my main thing because I I don't I would like to be able to like put a new row in there. But they do mm-hmm. need to make some kind of change. But yeah, particularly with the with the twelve, uh, thirteen inch, twelve point nine inch one. Mm-hmm. You know, they they look so spacey because it's the same five rows, five icons, columns as everyone else. But I, I as as a as a part time Android user. It's just so nice to have that drawer. You just get rid of everything. You can see your home screen. You put the ones that you want the most. You click it. It opens up. It's, it's like the Mac. Mm-hmm. Think about if you had 100 icons on your Mac. It's crazy. And the other thing I want is is uh, multiple users. 
Yes. Oh God. Yeah. You know, I was I was saying in Slack the other day that I was thinking about writing an editorial on that, and I looked in the MacWorld archives. My God, we have those editorials going back to 2010. <laughs> yeah, saying there I've needs to be the multiple myself. Yeah. yeah it's, and it, it's it's crazy that they don't have that. Yeah. And see, the thing is, okay, so, you know, I am basically, you know, the iPad, that's my beat in, in Macworld. And, you know, so whenever I have to lend an iPad, you know, one of our iPads to someone, yeah. you know, it's, it has my account signed in. Totally. So it's, it's like, it's, I don't want you to dig it up my stuff. Yeah, absurd. so it's annoying. <laughs> so. It, 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 even if it's just a, just a guest account and you don't, like, let's say exactly. Apple doesn't right. let you create a full account, but there should be a way to block all your stuff. I mean, Apple's all about that privacy stuff. That right. plays right into it. And going back to that on the Macworld devices, I I personally keep a separate Macworld account on there so anybody else can use the same machines I use. Of course, yeah. Yes. And I'm, you're not the only one who does that. Yeah. I mean, people do that all the time. And I don't, I don't know. I just can't imagine why they haven't gotten around to do it. I mean, I guess they want to sell more iPads. That's the only thing I can think of. Their solution is to buy another eight hundred dollar device. You want multiple accounts? How about just multiple hardware devices? Yeah, right. so, so they're small enough. You, know, you can just put them on a bookshelf, one for each of your kids and your wife yeah. and your spouse, and even your dog could have one. Sure. So. I just want to say, like the other day, I gave the iPad Mini to Roman for a battery test, and I kept getting these calls on there. It was so <laughs> annoying. And uh, so, yeah, that gives you an idea of some of the problems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just silly. We'll get an idea of what's happening with iOS 13 at WWDC, which is happening in June. We'll probably also see at WWDC the breakup of iTunes. There's been rumors that Apple is going to finally. Yeah, that's a good, a long overdue change. Yeah, take take the different features of iTunes and make them into separate apps, sort of as they are in iOS. So essentially, there'll be like a music app, a podcast app, and this would be all replacing iTunes on the Mac. Yeah, would, would iTunes go away, I wonder, or would that still be the store like it is on the phone? Mm. I wish I'd make it better because on, on Windows, uh, iTunes is such garbage. My God, it's a system hog. It's, yeah, it's, it's not, really bad. It's, re, it's really bad. And that, that, yeah. they're missing out. On, they're, they're really pushing away a big audience, I think, by that. And that's they shouldn't be doing that. Remember when Steve Jobs said it was like getting a glass of water in hell? <laughs> 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 not so much anymore, huh? <laughs> yeah, Apple has phased out. I don't want to say phased out, but they have uh... – and I don't want to say abandoned, but they, they have kind of like let old brands kind of just kind of fall by the wayside and yeah, age yeah, out. And for sure. Yeah. They, they could probably do that with iTunes. And, you know, will they still call it the iTunes store? I don't know. What, would they call it the Apple Music store now? I think it I should mean, just all go I mean, Apple it, Music. It does make yeah. sense. You, you open Apple Music and you have all your stuff and there's a little button for the store if you want right. to buy something. Right. The Apple branding is good uh, over the i stuff and uh Yeah, I, the i stuff is it's it's kind of run as even though we still have the iPhone and iPhone, the iPad iPhone. obviously and the iMac. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems to kind of have run its course. Apple yeah. phone app, the iPad's a little a little bit trickier cuz Apple Pad, I guess that works. That's the And then the, the iMac, I don't know what they would do. So I guess I guess they kind of have to keep some legacy i products around, but mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for going forward, I think we're going to see mostly Apple whatever products. I think if Apple ever did do a complete mind-blowing game changer, one more thing, you know, folding screen, I don't really care for that. But at the same time, you know, the uh, implementation of that that works, that would be the Apple phone. I Maybe think so, Apple's yeah. saving that for that. Yes. Maybe, yeah. The thing about the iTunes breakup is that I wonder if we're still going to have some of the features that are in iTunes, like smart playlists. Like, you don't get that in the iOS music app. Things like yeah, that's, that. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're right. They would. They, there has to be some rethinking more so than just, we, this is what we did on iPhone, we're going to do it here now. Yeah. Right, and yeah. I guess the reason why there's some concern about that is because Apple sh- sort of shown with with the transferring of apple news and uh what, what else uh 
can't remember you mean the, the 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 marzipan stuff yeah yes yeah when stocks I, news and stocks and voice else. voice yeah. recorder and that's yeah, yeah, what yeah, i was, was trying to think of yeah or voiceover whatever it's called the voice the voice recording app on ios when they made yeah. mac versions of it they were basically you know there wasn't a whole lot of features that sort of took advantage of the Mac on those particular apps. So I guess there's a little concern that the same thing could happen here. Yeah, I, that would not surprise me at all. Yeah. If everything that we know about the Mac version of iTunes is just gone. I, and yeah, they, uh, and they're, they're overly simplified iPhone apps on the Mac. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. So moving on, late last week, Apple TV Plus got a new competitor saw a new competitor join the the crowded streaming services marketplace disney plus revealed their new service they are gonna wipe the floor with apple oh my god well i I don't mean it's it's hard to say who's competing with whom yeah right um i was on vacation when that thing was announced and i came back and i read the story and, and i was blown away by the what they're planning and what they're charging it's, it's like insane. wow this is yeah 70 bucks a year for you know fully produced marvel and disney content is just like wow that's that's cheap yeah that's that's the downright bargain and i'm sorry apple this is what people want yeah yeah, yeah. no i, I mean <laughs> D- disney has a huge advantage over apple in the sense that they have this built-in audience and library and catalog yes right they have the but, catalog they have the brand yes brand and they have tons of them they, yes. they even have you know the simpsons now and, and x-men and everything else but right yeah apple should really we uh, jason wrote about this but um they should they need to take a long hard look at whatever they were charging and um either match or undercut disney because disney's going to offer so much more stuff for seven dollars a month so what do you think what if they like you know the whole Apple TV Plus thing. What do you, if you think are the chances that they like bundle it in with Apple Music? So like that'll all be your nine ninety nine. I mean, it's it's very possible. They didn't. They never said anything about. All they said was that it was a it was a subscription network. They never said anything about a charge. And yeah, it's it's very possible because you know Hulu and Spotify do that, and they could say yeah you're gonna get. Um, Apple Music and Apple Video, and it's it's ten dollars a month or ninety nine dollars a year. They absolutely could. They certainly have the money to do it, and that would increase Apple Music's ranks for sure. Definitely, yeah. The issue with that though is Apple loves its margins. That's and true. Does does that fit in their whole profile of how they make money? Does that does ten dollars a month for those two services? maintain their mar- the margins that they like see i felt that so, too but that's mm. are they willing to sacrifice that you know a little bit in order to gain market share and be competitive so. and, and the other question is how does it work on other devices because they said it's not going to just be iphone so what if the like what if you subs- like so all right so you have a bundle but you also have to charge a, a one a separate fee for people who just want the one i guess because like what if they can't get it on um they never said Apple Music was coming to Samsung TVs. They just said the iTunes was. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to work. It's it's enormously frustrating that they had that whole damn thing and they didn't release any kind of indication of how much it's yeah, going to cost. There wasn't a lot of detail. Yeah. So. Like, how do you write about this stuff if you have no clue what they're going to charge? <laughs> Yeah. It's a lot different. If it's $5 a month, $10 a month, or $15 a month, those are very different price ranges. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've said this before on here, but I'm, I'm getting kind of subscriptioned out. Yeah, well, I was about to say, yeah. the problem with me is now, you know, there's Netflix, there's Hulu, there's Amazon, there's Disney. There's HBO Apple. Now because of Game HBO, of Thrones. Right. <laughs> but I, but he, you know. I just cut the cord, as they say, about, um, I guess about a month ago now. Uh-huh. And what I love about it is my, I, my, my bill probably went down about $40 a month. And I increased my internet um, speeds by quite a bit. But regardless of that, what I like about it is that when I sit down to look at what I'm trying, I can cut any one of these things off when I want to. Yes. With cable, I was locked right. into a $200 a month bill no matter what I watched, when I watched That's it, or insane. how I watched it. What When Game of Thrones is over, I'm cutting off HBO for a same little here. while, and I'll go back to it. When whatever show I watch on Disney is over, maybe I can drop that for a couple months. Like, like you, There's so much more freedom yes. than, there, than there is with cable. I'm... I, you know, I understand what you're saying by there's too many subscriptions, but 
I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to be able to flip them on and off at, at will. Fair enough. Yeah. And I, I haven't had cable for years. So, yeah, it's that I'll be honest with you. That's the way I don't even look at it. But, you know, there periodically I do go through and do the great subscription culling. And, uh, yeah. And they yeah. Like, like you do have to stay on top of it, of course. But, you know, when you get that bill every month on your credit card, you, you tend to be reminded that you're paying for these things. Yeah. <laughs> but Apple is going to have a there's a ton of competition. And yes. they have yeah. to really figure out, you know, how many shows, when they're, how they're releasing, when they're releasing, yeah. and what they're charging because they could easily just get swept away. So we'll learn more about Apple's streaming services probably in the fall. I, th- I think yeah. that's what they said, right? Yeah, yeah. Th- that'll be either at the iPhone event or maybe even a separate one. Even they a might separate do event, it. yeah. They, they used to have that iPod uh, music event in the fall. Maybe Maybe they'll do something like that, a separate services event. Yeah. So we can all see Steven Spielberg again. <laughs> well, one of the Apple services that kind of made a little bit of news this week is that uh, Digiday reported that Apple News Plus is uh, annoying some publishers because Apple, not surprisingly to me, plays favorites with certain publishers. And they tend to favorite bigger publishers over smaller publishers, meaning that when Apple... Or when a publisher is needing some service, uh, needs some help with Apple News Plus, Apple tends to gravitate towards helping the bigger publishers first yeah. and then kind of like leaving the smaller publishers in the dark. Yeah, that's why they have the, the featured stuff or the recommended yeah. for Apple News Plus. Yeah, they don't so. really care. And as someone who has dealt with Apple for years <laughs> on the public relations side, this did not surprise me. <laughs> So, you know, and and I think, but the discouraging thing about this is that, you know, that's one of the great things about the internet is that there are multiple outlets that you can go to. I mean, maybe it's also a detriment considering the current, the news uh, environment. I understand, you know, you want to cater to the bigger publishers because they're getting the most eyeballs. But, you know, when you're a small publisher. It's costing Apple the same amount. Right, they're, exactly. They're not paying for bigger services. They're they're paying for everyone. So it's it's extraordinarily unfair if, yeah. if that's true. And yeah. I, I again, I agree with you. Apple only contacts you when you have a problem with you. <laughs> yeah. They generally don't bother with anybody unless they have an issue to resolve. Yeah, right. exactly. Speaking right. from experience. Yes. <laughs> we all have. Uh, yeah, we're all speaking. With, you know, in the shadows, saying yes. We we know. We we relate. I, I don't use an iPhone full time, so I'm not really the target audience. But Apple News Plus seems like a major disappointment. We'll see how it evolves, but I I I kind of fiddled around with it a little bit. It's annoying how it's strictly iOS. I don't know why they chose that. Like, why not come out with an Android app with it and open it up to a bunch more people? I I would have subscribed. And it's really hard to find things. The magazines, yes. most of them are PDFs. It's just not good right now. No, it's not worth ten dollars a month, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm probably. I have found some use for it, and there's, you know, like National Geographic, you know, because it shows up in your recommendations, um, which you know it has its benefits. Uh, but you know, I used to have my Apple News set up to where I solely got Macworld, you know, relevant stuff. So I was only getting Apple News Plus. So now I get these recommendations from National Geographic and stuff. But uh, but yeah, it's really hard to find things, and I I did notice that there are some. It change changes because that you know field and stream comes as just like as a, a PDF. I, I had that one still bookmarked from my article, but I noticed that you will actually get some text snippets in there. But you know it still takes you to the PDF if you click on it. But it does almost look like a regular article. So they're making some kind of attempts to bridge that gap. But that that could be what you know they're talking about is Apple's not working with them the way that they thought they would. Which again, you should not be surprised by that. Yeah, but I can understand why a smaller publisher would be. You know, yes. they sign on for this thing. Apple probably sold them a bill of goods. And, you know, oh, we're happy to have you with a partner and we're going to blah, blah. And I also, this is coming from Texture. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Texture's support was wildly different than Apple's because they were a small right. company who needed every one of those publications to right. stay with them. Right. Our final news story that we're going to cover in the podcast today is that if you uh, happen to have the latest Apple Pencil and iPad, and you, for some reason, can't unlock your car with your key fob, you should separate the two. The weirdest bug ever. (laughs) It is so weird. Yeah, so apparently a charging 
Apple Pencil with an iPad. So it's the, it's the second generation Apple Pencil and the new iPad Pros. If they're charging, they cause interference with car key fobs. And they don't allow those car key fobs to unlock your car. And this is hardware, so I don't know if Apple can really fix this. So this, this is more of a public service announcement. If that yeah. if you've been uh, been encountering this problem, try separating the the devices and see what happens there. So my guess is it's a very 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 small portion of users <laughs> that are experiencing this. So that wraps up our news discussion for this podcast. Now we're going to talk about our feature discussion. We're going to try to talk about how Apple should spend its money in this uh, part of the podcast. Because who who better to know that than us? <laughs> <laughs> so as everyone knows, Apple has a lot of money in, in its reserves and money that it can use to make uh, acquisitions. And they, they've been doing it. So a lot of the time, a lot of times we don't know that it's happened because Apple's very discreet about its acquisitions. Sometimes they'll announce, well, they they don't actually announce a lot of acquisitions. It just gets discovered somehow and it's reported by the yeah. Apple media and press. And then they'll they'll send out that boilerplate statement that says Apple makes acquisitions right. from time to time and blah 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 blah. But there are plenty of companies that uh, probably would make sense as a business for Apple. And so we thought we'd talk about what companies Apple should buy. Jason Cross, our staff writer, wrote an article on this. He had three uh, suggestions. His thought was uh, Apple should buy um, one company I, that kind of surprised me, but then it made sense. He he he, he suggested Peloton, uh-huh. which is the exercise uh, equipment company. He thought they that would be a, a good acquisition for Apple. He tried to stay away from the typical usual suspects that people like to name. Yeah. So Peloton was one of them. You can read Jason's article on our website. We have a link in the show notes if you want to see what the other companies Apple thought would make a good acquisition. But what do you guys think? Is there a company that you think that Apple should acquire that would fit into their business plan? I mean, I like the Yelp idea, but you know, that that's the, it's, you know, that, that, it would, like you said, it would require a really big overhaul of maps, you know, kind of use, honestly, use the features like Google does and, uh, you know, a little bit more recommendations like that. But, uh, and I, you know, Apple is big on the health thing. It doesn't excite me that much, I have to admit, but uh, it's, it, it would make sense. What do you think, Mike? <laughs> it's... I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, it would never happen, but I'd love to see them acquire Fitbit. And really kind of get all of that health and fitness. Because, you know, Fitbit is a small company, but they do a lot of things that are just as good, if not better, than Apple Watch. And they're kind of overlooked and overshadowed by the bigger players. And, uh, you know, if you, for for example, sleep tracking is a big one. They have have really solid heart rate monitoring. And, you know, not that Apple doesn't have that stuff, but some kind of a combination of Apple's design and reach with Fitbit's, um, you know, health and, and fitness acumen mm-hmm. would could create really like a real killer product. But I, I don't I don't think Fitbit is in a, in a position where they would be willing or uh, able to sell to Apple. I want to point out that Jason talked about Dark Sky, and that's a popular app, a weather app that is, you know, basically so many people just download it that... I even I months ago pitched this article. It was like apps Apple should buy, you know, and make them part of iOS. And it, I kept pushing it back. But the thing was, is that Dark Sky was actually the foundation of that article. And uh, you know, it, it's got beautiful weather. It, it's very Apple-like, and uh, you know, I, I think that would be a lot better improvement for like Apple's own weather app than what we currently have. Because yeah, I think that's the important thing. It is very Apple-like. And I, I think that it would bring that type of beauty and elegance that Apple itself doesn't seem to grasp with the, the weather app. And uh, But that one is a, definitely a smart one because Jason made that suggestion. And that, that's smaller, you know, everybody else, like he had said, was talking about, you know, Tesla or something like that. But th- this is more realistic. And honestly, it's probably more beneficial. Yeah, uh, Tesla is, is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, first of all, why the hell would you want that company? Not not that they're a bad 
company, but they have, you know, it's it's a fairly new company. There's a lot going on there. You got to deal with Elon Musk. You got to, you know, it's a, <laughs> I, I, I the hell would anybody want Tesla? Let, yeah. let Tesla be Tesla. Yeah. Netflix is interesting, but I don't, you know, people say that all the time. They should buy it. And I, I do think that at some point, Netflix is going to realize that they cannot possibly grow forever and they need to sell. Yes. They have to. Because there is a tangible ceiling to how many people will sign up for a $15 a month streaming video service. There yes. is this. So at some point it's going to become an issue, but I don't, I don't, I just don't see the price that Apple would pay or have to pay for, um, for Netflix. I don't really think it's worth it. When they bought Beats, mm -hmm. it made sense to me because they, they needed a streaming service and Beats had a really good one. They needed, um, they, you know, they clearly they were moving towards wireless headphones, and Beats had really good ones. And the price they paid was it was a, it was a lot, three point two billion. But it, it's you know you could do the math in your head and say, okay, in ten years this will pay for itself, and I, I probably less now. Yes, because you know Beats, first of all, they still make money on their own, and Apple has used all of their their intellectual property to build some you know some great products and services. I don't see what Netflix really brings to the table for right. Apple. I just don't. Yeah, especially since they've lost some other good properties to people like uh, for like the Disney service. Yeah. Yeah, but even I mean, even if they were still there, it's just you know I mean, fine. Netflix is a money maker and it's the 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 leading streaming service or whatever you want to say. But I just don't I don't know I just don't know what Apple would really do with it or how it would improve Apple TV Plus, other than giving it a, a another avenue for distribution. And I hate to admit it, but seeing Apple News Plus. You know, makes me a little cynical about Apple's approach to services like that. Totally. Yeah, that yeah. they would ruin it more than yeah. they would actually help it. So I, I, I'm an Apple Music subscriber. I have been since day one, and I, I like it. But I, I, to be honest, Spotify is way better. Spotify is better. I, I want <laughs> the only reason why I keep it is because I don't want to lose all my playlists and stuff. You know, I'm a Verizon member. You know, and, you, and we know the unlimited plan, the the better one. Yeah. You you yeah. actually get it as part of it now, and that's to trying to convince. You know, I'm trying to convince myself. Well, I you know basically would be getting that free now. So should I should I yeah. drop Spotify? And to give you an idea of how good Spotify is, I'm really wrestling with that yeah, decision. Yeah, it's good. And you know, the ten dollars for Spotify and Hulu is fantastic. Yeah. You know, they, 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 but that's an example of a company that is laser focused on one thing. Yeah. Apple isn't that anymore. You know, when people criticize some feature of the iPhone or Apple News Plus, I mean, they got to realize that Apple has its fingers in, in so many pies right now that these things are, are bound to suffer. Quality is, it, it has to suffer. Yes. There's just too many things it's doing right now. And I think that's the point. There's too many. I mean, I don't know. I think Apple's getting greedy. I know they have to adapt, but at the same time, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's there's a you know it's a push and a pull thing. You can't sell Macs and iPhones forever, but at the same token, just because you release something doesn't mean it's better than anybody else's, right? So there, there's a. We're, 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 I hope to I hope that we see a a real kind of evolution and iteration in these services, and not just here's an Apple News Plus, and four years from now we'll we'll update it. So when I was trying to think of companies that Apple should buy, I was, uh, like Jason, trying to avoid the usual suspects. And then I remembered that my brother works for a machine learning and AI uh, software company. And then I thought, oh, Apple should buy them. So the company is called H2O AI. I still don't fully understand what they do. My brother <laughs> has explained it to me. And I'm like, I yeah. All I know is that they do AI and machine learning. And Apple's, mm -hmm. you know supposedly making huge investments in those areas maybe that could be a fit i don't know because i like i said i don't truly understand what they do <laughs> as a uh, as a peloton owner and user i do not want apple to buy peloton no. okay i was wondering it okay, yeah. uh... so, so is the peloton really as cool as it seems you know i i'm not an exercise person and uh, uh, we we bought this last may and it was, you know, it's not cheap. It's like it's like a hundred dollars right. a month. Um, I'm paying. For, it's a it's spread out over three years, and it includes a subscription service every month that gives you access to all these on-demand classes. And I was, I was really skeptical. My my wife and I decided, you know, we, let's let's get it because you know we're we're getting older and we wanted to try to stay active. And I said, all right, is this going to be another thing that we use for three months and then it sits in the basement and charges me a hundred dollars a month and collects dust? But I have used it every other day 
when I can, you know, unless I'm on vacation or something. But I, I have religiously used it since last May. It's it's that good. Hmm. There's a, there's a ton of different classes to choose from. The instructors are fantastic. The bike is gorgeous. The the the, the ride is great. I was on a cruise ship last week, so I used um, one of the days I went down to their gym to check out their equipment. And let me tell you, man, this <laughs> there's a big difference between what Peloton offers and what someone else offers. It's you know, it's just it's a it's it's it really is an Apple like level of um, whatever spinning, whatever they call it. So yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan and a big a big proponent of it. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I have a friend. She's a big fan of the Peloton. I think the Peloton even like did a shout out to her during one of oh, the yeah. classes. Cause yeah, I, they they yeah. they do that. If, if you take a live class and you have like a milestone, they'll right. they'll, they'll kind of call you out. Yeah, but she it, had a you know, milestone, yeah. I was super skeptical because I'm just you know jaded by nature. <laughs> But it's 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 really cool and it's really good and it's you know it's kept us healthy and in shape and exercising and everything else. It's cool. it's, it's it's awesome. I will say uh, you know this is kind of a good thing. I like how basically it seemed like we were struggling with this discussion and you know that you know on the one hand it doesn't seem like there's a lot of stuff that's you know super obvious for Apple to buy, which maybe is a sign that it's on this right track in some ways. You know, because there's not a lot of stuff where it's like, man, it would just be so much better if they got that. And a lot of it's just like they could as opposed to they should. So My, my biggest fear about Apple buying anything is that they make it Apple only. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now it's time for our two-minute <laughs> tip. Oh, shoot, it is. On, the part of, on this part of the show, Macworld Staffer will present a quick tip for your Apple device. This week, Leif has a tip for the iPhone camera. So why don't you take it away, Life? Oh, yeah. So recently I had to get a new phone. And, uh, you know, so it resets all the settings on there. And I had forgotten that I didn't have live photos uh, set anymore. Because those take up a lot of room. It, it can take up a, as much of a, twice as much of a photo. And someone I saw on Twitter responded and said, uh, you know, oh, well, editing photos can take up as much as twice the room, too. Yeah, but you're not editing every single photo. At least I'm not. Because I take a lot of photos. It's only the really good ones that I edit. But... It's uh, but yeah. So this this is how you can turn it off where it's not making a live photo every single time you take a photo. And uh, I I've also you know I'm also going to teach you how to disable the live photo features with ones that you've already taken, so you can share them to another iOS user and they look more like a uh, like a regular photo. So first to disable it in the camera app, and this is permanently, but you can easily switch it back on. So um, I, I want to make that clear because when you restart the app, it'll even if you turn it off, it'll you know it'll automatically show that it's you're, you're ready to take a live photo again the next time you open an app. This will ensure that this doesn't happen. It will always shoot like a regular photo. So first, launch the camera app. In the photo interface, you're going to press that level, a yellow live photo icon to turn it off. And that's also how you switch it off temporarily. But normally, you'll turn it on again once you relaunch the app. So leave the camera app and then head back to your home screen. For now, don't open that camera app again. Open the settings app. Scroll down the camera. Press that. And in the menu that pops up, press preserve settings. You'll see three options. Toggle live photo so it switches to green. And that's it. Next time you open your camera app, the live photo icon should already be turned off. And you can reactivate it by pressing the icon so it changes back to yellow. But with this setting active, it should stay off if you decide to turn it off again and you relaunch the app. So if you uh, want to disable live photo features in a photo view already taken that includes both the sound and the animation, you open the photo that you want to edit either through the Photos app or the camera app and press Edit in the upper right-hand corner um, to turn off the sound but preserve the live photo animation. Press the yellow speaker icon in the upper left. The icon should turn white and show a white slash cutting through it. And so when you share, share that, it won't have the sound on there. And to turn off the live photo features altogether, press the big yellow live icon at the top. And now the photo will act like a regular photo whenever you send it. And uh, unfortunately, again, this doesn't delete the live photo information. So these photos will still continue to take up a lot of room on your phone. And uh, But on the other hand, it's, it also means it's relatively easy to reactivate animations on a live photo at a later date. You just go through the same process and press live again. And if you want that in text format, we have it on Macworld. Yeah, you can get the full steps on macworld.com. We'll put a link to the tip in the show notes. I I hate live photos <laughs> on, on on every phone I have. All of it. it's not just an Apple thing. I, I've turned they're, it off too. I, I don't. All, yeah. they're, they're useless. Useless. 
I don't hate them, but I do hate that it's on by default. Yes, that's the problem. Because as we we often switch phones, you had a different instance where your phone had to be replaced. It needed repair. But we often switch phones and things like that. And when that live photo is on it, I just like, oh, man, what? I think they're cool, but I have never found a practical use for that's them the other thing. than the showing thing, yeah. them to people. You know, it's like when it's, you archive. It's so rare that like the the liveness of it actually enhances what you the image you took. Okay, well, I would. There there are a couple of times like I was looking through some old photos that have personal significance to me, and they were live photos. And you know, you're flipping through it, and you just see a photo. And I decided to click on it, and of course, the live photo animation. And I got to hear what was being said in that moment, and I got to see the movement, which brought the image to life a little bit. And it was very charming, and it almost kind of moved me to tears. So there are some beautiful right. moments, but you have to have a very specific, you know, sig- meaning for them. I mean, yeah. you know, when you're just taking random photos of your cat or something, I don't, <laughs> I don't, yeah. So it, it it can have its benefits, but in general, no, it just takes up a bunch of room. <laughs> we brought up in the podcast before my archival habits with my photos is a little obsessive. And I just find live photos too difficult to manage yes. when I'm trying to archive them. And so, it, you know, I, that's why I don't take them. And that's the main reason why I don't use live photos. So now it's time for your hot takes. We love to read your comments and questions. Let us know what you're thinking on our Twitter feed at Macworld or on the Macworld Facebook page. Uh, here are a couple comments that caught our eye this week. The first one is was via Twitter by at Complex Simon. No relation. No relation to <laughs> Michael Simon. The comment was in regards to the announcement of Disney Plus, and uh, Complex Simon says that this illustrates the problem. Complex Simon is getting tired of the continuous exclusivity. In order to watch the great shows, this person is subscribing to more independent providers and all their filler content, too. It ends up being cable pricing for a few hours of entertainment per week. But that, but that's that's the thing, though. If you don't with cable, you're stuck. If you don't watch a channel for two months, you still have to pay for it. If you don't, you can shut Disney Plus off for three months and then watch it all in one month. Like no one's telling you to keep all these things turned on when you're not watching them. That's the thing about this whole uh, cord cutting, subscription, streaming freedom, man, freedom. You get you get the freedom from cable and things like that. But it introduces this whole new subscription management thing that you have to deal with. And, you know, people don't think about that when they're doing that. And it's part of the reason why I haven't done it is because I don't want to deal with the subscription management. And it turns out that I just end up not watching as much episodic television as I thought I would. I watch a lot more live sports and stuff. Cable actually works for me because the channels I watch are mostly sports channels. And see, I'm the exact opposite. So yeah, yeah that, so yeah, there's different benefits for different people. Yeah. My Netflix uh, subscription is actually handled by my T-Mobile account. We do subscribe to Hulu, and you know, I have Amazon Prime, so that comes with the Amazon <laughs> and cable. So and cable. So <laughs> how much they paying you, Roman? <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife pays for the Hulu account. So. Uh, uh, our next comment comes from Ron Baumanis on Facebook. This is in re- response to the iPhone, or I'm sorry, the iOS 13 features and the rumors of the new features. Ron says that, so in other words, there really aren't any changes coming that 99% of the world is going to care about. Don't get him wrong. He loves his mm. iPad, but this really doesn't amount to absolutely anything really. You know, I think this ha- reaction happens every time features are released, either rumored or officially released. There are a slew of people who say, yeah, those features are irrelevant to me. That's That doesn't matter. I'm just hoping we, we're going to hear, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it could be a small iceberg, but, you know. I, I find it hard to believe that only 1% of users use their iPad in that way. I don't, I yeah. mean, maybe 80% people won't care, maybe 75, but 99% seems excessive. And people are going to love dark mode. Yeah. And Apple, this is, regardless of who uses it, Apple needs to do this. Mm-hmm. It needs to happen. They need to separate the iPad from the iPhone. It is, it is way overdue for that to happen. I would like it to come on stage and say, 
you know, give some big Siri, you know, augmentation and yeah, surprise. Sure. Yeah, we'll see if that goes. <laughs> I'd like them to have uh, iPad OS or whatever they would call it, separate it completely from Interesting. iPhone. It might, I, with Marzipan, I, I could see something like that going in that direction. Well, when you say tip of the iceberg, life that if you think about the past WWDCs and recent history, the focus has been on iOS so much. You know, they, they'll like say, oh, here's macOS, and then it's done in 10 minutes. And then the rest of the keynote is all about the new features in iOS. Yes. So, like, you know, the rumored features, like you said, that's just the tip of the iceberg. They there are gonna be a, yeah, there are going to be a lot more features. These are just the ones that 9to5Mac yeah. caught was able to catch catch and, and report They'll on. They'll do 10 of them or whatever they do. They, they have, you know, we have 10 features to show you and this will be one of them. The iPad will be one of them. Right. And it'll all be wrapped up in that thing. Yeah. So, the, But I do th- I do think that Mac is going to get a little more attention this year. Especially if we see the right. Mac Pro. Because yeah. of the Marzipan yeah. stuff too. Yeah, yeah Marzipan, so, Mac Pro, the, right. the displays that we, that we hear about, the standalone display, I think that they will devote, you know, a good chunk of time. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the, the future standalone. of the Mac. Yeah, this is going to be a Mac here, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a busy WWDC. It's going to be a busy June. Well, that just about does it for this week's episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 647. I'd like to thank Leif Johnson. Thank you to Michael Simon. Thank you, sir. I'd like to thank the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. We also post a podcast on our homepage. If you have any comments or questions, you can post them on the Macworld Twitter feed, on the Macworld Facebook page, or you can drop us a line via email. The address is podcast at macworld.com. Thanks again for listening. See you next week. (laughs) 